Grumpy, we are now live. Um, first off, I, I've got to ask you, before we even get the introduction started, what do you have going on right there? Well, it's a combination thing, first of all. Uh, you know, I always come prepared for our podcast and try to bring up something a little bit different than what we're used to seeing. Uh, first thing I'm going to do, TJ, I'm going to show up the shirt and tell me if you know uh, what this is. <laughs> I, I was wondering, Grumpy, the... You know who that is? Do you know what that is? That's the Beatles. That's the Beatles. Okay. That's, the Beatles. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that or not. Honestly, if uh, you didn't, I mean, that was pretty iconic pose of the Beatles. If you didn't know, uh, I was going to, you're not allowed to listen to music anymore. Um, well, Grumpy, and this is odd for everybody who is listening to the podcast because we're going to be starting our live streams. And Grumpy, you and I have to get together. We have to talk to figure out a day and a time that will work consistently to do these live streams. Um, but for the people who are listening to the podcast, they don't know what exactly you're doing, Grumpy old man. You are wearing a a piece of tinfoil over the upper half of your chest. It's very That's odd. True. That's true. And the reason I did it, uh, for two reasons. Number one, like I said, I always bring a little something different. Uh <laughs> First was to cover up the Beatles' name because I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know if you would know. You probably saw the shirt and you were able to – you can spell a little bit. Uh, but the other reason is with the Islanders' season over, uh, I'm having a – get rid of the tinfoil, you know, because the Hanson brothers, you know, they say, hey, Coach, hey, coach what are you doing, guys? Putting on the foil, Coach. And since the season is over, we can put away the foil uh, for another year of Islander hockey, disappointing as it may be. Uh, I, I Now, I disagree with you, Grumpy. I, I was not disappointed at all with this year. I thought it was an okay season, an okay regular season, and a unbelievable and memorable playoff run. Yeah, no, I didn't say I was disappointed in the season. I'm just saying the season's over, so we're putting away the foil uh, for this year. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Like the Hanson brothers, you know, hey, they used to put on the foil on their hands before games from the movie Slapshot, and he went if you don't know the movie Slapshot, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, unless it's just to look at the grumpy old man, uh, which I could understand. Um, but, you know, they used to put on the foil before the game, and we won't be doing it. Here you go, foil. You're done for the year, too. Thank you. <laughs> just like the Islanders. Oh, goodness. The grumpy old man, um, it was an unbelievable series. I, there's so much to unpack about it, but we needed at least a few days to kind of – to, to look back and actually reflect a little bit on not only the regular season, but also the postseason. Um, anytime a team gets knocked out of the playoffs, and, and this was an unbelievable playoff run for the Islanders, um, really, truly will be memorable for a lot of fans. This is this is the best they've ever seen the Islanders. And a lot of people on social media were, and I say this as tactfully as possible, they were a little irrational after the Islanders lost. Um, to the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime in game six, uh, you know, calling out Matt Barzal, calling out players left and right. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know, I guess we, at least myself, Grumpy, and I think you do, we have a little bit more of a realistic expectation of the New York Islanders. Yeah. Um, okay. Like I said, I have zero social media presence, let's be honest, right? That's all I don't want anything to say. But anyone who's ripping Matt Barzal, I think the one thing you can accuse Matt Barzal of trying to, it was trying to do too much, honestly. Uh, I thought that was maybe the bigger issue, particularly we had a power play, and 
But that's a power play issue as a whole. I guess they want the guys carrying the puck in as opposed to doing a dump and chase. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand that. When it doesn't work over and over again, I can see why. Let's do a dump and chase as opposed to trying to carry it in. But I mean, he turned the puck over on one power play three straight times. Yeah, and and I do think that also kind of left a bad taste in some fans' mouths. Um, and he did miss a few quality opportunities, right? Um, he could have redirected that pass in the net. I think it was um, maybe it was from Martin. I can't remember who exactly set him up. He did have a few opportunities and chances, but you know you're seeing online and on Twitter, Grumpy. And the reason I'm explaining this to you is because you have no social media presence. You have people out there saying a guy comes and you're supposed to be the man, and Matt Barzal. And you come away with zero goals in the series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, if you want to be the man and be paid like the man, you have to play like the man. And to that, all I say is this: you know, there there were cast, there are a lot of different Islanders who didn't score in this series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And to accuse someone for not bringing their A game because they're not scoring goals, and this is something that is not Matt Barzal's forte. He's a facilitator, right? I mean, you know, in the optimal world, he's a facilitator. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I take issue that, all right, he didn't score a goal. That's true. Uh, I don't think he had uh, a multitude of chances, honestly. They all they knew is they need to take him out. I mean, that's the guy. If you're Tampa Bay, who's the guy you have to stop on the Islanders? Matt Barzell. They don't worry about anybody else, honestly. They didn't have to. The truth of the matter is we got beat by a better team, by a team that's vastly superior to us. I mean – and think about the injuries that they had, right? Braden Point, every game he played, they won, and he scored points every single game. The games we had a chance in or won, he wasn't playing. Stamkos wasn't there. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I just – there were so many things we could have done better, perhaps, uh, more physical play. But at the end of the day, the better team won, and that's what it should be. Tampa Bay is a better team than we are. I mean, those are just facts, people. Those are just facts. Yeah, Grumpy. And and you get some people who are, again, in the comments section here saying that Matt Barzal needs to go. He cost us that game. That man was his responsibility. Now, I will say this much. Matt Barzal, yeah, that was his man, and that was his responsibility coming back and playing defense. He kind of went to the outside, didn't do a great job on, in that regard. There are certain things Matt Barzal does that nobody else on this hockey team can do. And he did have a poor power play there. But in general, our entire team struggled on the power play. I think as a whole, this is an experience that he's going to grow from. He's going to learn a lot from really his first deep playoff run. And I think there's always room for Matt Barzal to improve on his play. There are certain things he does that you can't teach no matter how much time you spend with the young man and the player. And that is what makes him extremely valuable. Yeah, to me, he just he just tries to do too much sometimes, and it's because of the absolute lack of talent around him. I mean, you know, in the last two games, he was getting double shifted, and you know, but they're playing the secondary line he's playing with is Clutterbuck and Komarov. Okay, well, what should what do we expect him to do with that collection collection of characters? And I like Cal Clutterbuck because I think he is definitely a playoff hockey type player. Um, but Leo Komarov, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, and then you listen to some of those other comments. I mean, who else didn't score in that playoff series? Anders Lee, Josh Bailey. There's a lot of guys. And, Let's get rid of them. What, I have no problem at all getting rid of them. Well, I'm going to say it like this. For for fans to be saying, all right, he didn't score any goals. That's the reason we need to get rid of them. It's a poor justification. Um, I thought 
And again, I thought there was room for improvement. I thought if we're looking at who had a great series, I thought Brock Nelson elevated his game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I will tell you one thing, Grumpy. Brock Nelson is worth every single penny of that contract he signed this season. And and, and I expect to continue to see that going forward. Okay. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's as good as – and here's the thing. Brock Nelson still, he has a breakaway uh, coming out of the penalty box – and he doesn't know what to do. And so what does he do? He shoots it right at the crest of Vasilevsky. All he has to do is go to his backhand, and he's got a goal. And we win that game. As unlikely as it seems, we win that game. But here's the thing. You could tell, uh, uh, oh. that's what he did. He choked. I mean, he choked on a breakaway. He choked on a breakaway. Okay. okay. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Grumpy. <laughs> You got I'm sure you people are damn having to pull out their earphones right now because you're squeak, squeaking loud there. I was um, choking. I was choking. I was choking Brock Nelson. I'm Croc Nelson. Oh, Brock Ooh. Nelson had an unbelievable. I know this is your character, Grumpy, but Brock Nelson had an unbelievable series. And yeah, sure, he didn't score on that breakaway, but he did a lot of great things for this team. Um, and he is by far a complete two-way forward and a very, very solid second-line center. I can tell you one thing. You could do a lot worse as a second-line center than Brock Nelson. He is unbelievable. He had a great series, and I think the, the resilience he showed, especially in game one, that was that was a turning point for me with what he, what he was able to show in the series because he got roughed up there a few times and didn't stop him, and he came back and he had a great game, and he came back game two and also had a fantastic game. He did. He did have a good. He did have a good. He actually had a good playoff run. Okay. Uh, do I think that we could do better as a number two center? You say, oh, he, you can do a lot worse as a number two center. That's correct. But if you want to win a championship, if he's your number two center, I don't know where are we going. I'm sorry, and you have to forgive me, Grumpy. If I'm laughing and smiling, it's because I'm seeing the comments roll through. And Brush Kingsta said, for a minute there, I thought Grumpy was was gonna get the coronavirus. So hey, <laughs> I just made... if I get coronavirus, I die. Right? Hey, what are you what are you gonna do? <laughs> watching the way the Islanders play, I was like, I'm dying a slow death watching the Islanders' offense in the power play anyway. <laughs> oh, Grumpy, it's. It was an unbelievable series in a playoff run. And to think that Adam Pellick, and this does make sense, right? We talked about it on one of our podcasts, um, that why why was Barry Trotz going to suit seven defensemen and only 11 forwards when we were struggling to score the puck? And we were kind of left questioning. And a lot of fans and even some of the uh, some of the pundits for the New York Islanders, some beat writers, or even just like, ah, we're not necessarily understanding this one. Um, and it makes sense, right? Adam Pellick broke his wrist. <laughs> so he was out. He's going to be out. He's... He's going to have to wait for that, obviously, to heal. But it does make sense as to why they were addressing seven defensemen during that time period because they weren't sure if Adam Pellick was going to be able to make it through the whole game. And what's the one thing we really learned in game six? What's the one thing we really learned? Noah Dobson can play in this league. Absolutely. Noah Dobson needs to be in the starting lineup next year. Will he? Probably not. The Armadillo doesn't want to play him. Grumpy, I got a quick question. David says, Grumpy, are you ever happy? Yes. <laughs> he is very, very, very sparsely. Um, but I, I do think you're right, Grumpy. I think Noah Dobson looked fantastic in that series. And it, that's not like he, at least in the last game he played, 
Um, and let me rephrase that. I thought in the limited amount of time he had on the ice, there are certain things he did and exhibited, which I, which I immediately am able to go ahead and say, yes, I can liken him as a guy, a young man who could skate well. He can actually carry the puck. He can actually carry the puck extremely well throughout the zone. And you see him, he's able to switch from defense to the offensive zone in a matter of just a few strides. And I would argue he's right up there with Nick Letty with the ability to carry the puck already. Um, he's not afraid to shoot the puck. And that's, and that's an issue we've had here for the Islanders. And, and that's an issue we have on the power play. We have all these chances. We're always just trying to pass the puck into the net. We don't have that shoot first mentality. And that's, I think, something that can help us long term. When he shoots the puck, he puts it on net. I mean, I love Ryan Pulak, but, you know, what's he, uh, what's he, Colton from the Mighty Ducks? One out of five he puts on net? I don't know. But Noah Dobson shoots the puck, he puts it on net. And it generates, and it, they're good shots. They're high quality shots because they're always generating rebounds. That's where you would suppose average down low should be able to get his stick on the puck. You know, you have to, you have to remind everybody who average is, girl. Average Anders Lee. You heard of Steve Austin, the six million dollar man? That was money well spent in the nineteen seventies. Uh, average Anders seven million in this time frame. Not a good, not a good, not a good choice. Sorry. And I thought he had a very admirable playoff run. I thought, you know, the first two series I thought against, I guess, in the, the play-in postseason game or the play-in postseason series against the Florida Panthers, I thought he really didn't – he wasn't on it. He started to pick up his game a little, a little bit against the Flyers. Um, and I thought he played well against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nothing crazy that jumped off for me, though. Um, it wasn't like he was a game-changer. But he, I thought he did, he did well also. Now this was this was a healthy Islanders team for the most part, and the way the team is currently constituted, with the lines they are forwards as well as the defense pairings and and goalie. I, I know the goalie pairing is going to change a little bit, but the way our team was currently constituted, that was about as best as we could have performed. We were a hundred percent healthy. Sure, we lost Casey Sezikis midway through the series, and we did lose Adam Pellick in Game Six, really. But this was. This is about as good of a New York Islanders team that we're going to see as it's currently constituted because everything was optimal. Our team was healthy, and we were able to go ahead and take we were able to take care of the, the Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Florida Panthers. When we got up to the extremely talented teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's where you did see that talent disparity a little bit more on display. Oh, nice using the word disparity. Very good, TJ. Very <laughs> impressed with your vocabulary today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm in 100% agreement. Uh you know, I kind of look at it, you know, I'm just kind of interested. I know we're going to talk about this in the offseason, and maybe we'll touch on a little bit today, where the Islanders need to go from here. You know, I just, I listen, no, don't sign Barzell back. It's just idiotic statement. You know, the, by that same, I mean, Matt Martin had a really good playoff series. Does that mean we sign him back to a $5 million a year deal? I don't think so. Matt, Matt Martin had a great, yeah, he had a great playoff run, not even series. He had, he had a great postseason. He did. Um, but he did. in the same regard, right? Where is the pitcher? Where is the future for Matt Martin? He's an older fourth line guy who who contributed extremely well in the playoffs, and that obviously makes it enticing, maybe, to argue that yeah, maybe we should keep him for an extra year, take a waiver on him. But in the same token, you have Ross Johnson, who's a similar S type player who could fill the role of Matt Martin and could really, you know, he's been being groomed over the last two seasons. So you have to figure it's his time to step into the role, but and he's a cheaper fourth line option also. But yes, I do I do understand your sentiment, Grumpy. And you know another thing is you see 
you know, Casey Zizekas was out the last couple of days and he had a detached retina. Is that correct? I believe he had a detached retina. So I haven't seen anything finalized on that, but I did hear something again, like through one of those uh, burner, maybe not a burner account, but one of those Twitter accounts that, that usually does come out with pretty accurate information. I saw something like that, Grumpy. Okay. I mean, how did he get that in the bubble, right? They're in the bubble. Were they were they playing three stooges? Boing, got poked in the eyes like Curly used to get poked. I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. How the heck did he get a detached retina? I don't know. I thought, didn't he take a high stick? I don't care. I, got, it, I mean, I obviously, it wasn't. I, again, Casey Zizekas, for the most part, is always injured at some capacity throughout the season. Uh, very rare is that the UCN play more than 80 games in an NHL season. So I'm going to go with the three stooges approach. That's what happened. I think. <laughs> they were playing ping pong actually in a ping pong tournament, and he took a ping pong ball to the eye, Grumpy. Does that actually work for you? No, I like the three stooges where he pokes him in the eye even better. <laughs> I mean, but you may, I mean, look at it. Can you, if you, let's say you bring Matt Martin back, are you going to put 10 million, still $10 million of a salary cap that's not going up for the next three years in your fourth line? I don't think so. I don't think that's smart financially. It would have to be at a league minimum, even if they were entertaining that idea. The only way that works is at league minimum because we do have the three big guys still left to sign this offseason and not a lot of cap space to do so because the Islanders cannot – they can't take the approach of we can bring everybody back that we had on our team last year and that will be fine and that will suffice because that's that's not going to do the job. And I think, again, I'm not opposed for Matt Martin maybe on like a two-way deal on league minimum whatever, that's fine. It adds depth to your team. And if he doesn't work out, even if he does, it gives you a good option because players do get injured. We've talked about this, Grumpy. You have to have players who can step up when guys do get injured. I think Kiefer Bellows has to be afforded a chance and an opportunity next year. He absolutely has to. Um, he's a guy who all he can do is put the puck in the net in Bridgeport. He leads the team in scoring down there. And he made a big step this year. And I want to see what he can do at the NHL level. Eventually, like now, the team needs to get younger, right? I mean, let's be honest. How many more old guys can you continue to play on this team? Does Leo Komarov really have his place on this team? And, you know, you listen to the comments after the game. It's like, yeah, you know, we got another couple of runs with this group. What? I, if this series proved anything, you don't have any more runs with this group. You went as far as you can win. It was a great effort by everyone involved. But guess what? At the end of the day, your lack of talent is what caught up with you. And you're not going to get better. I mean, hockey players uh, don't age like wine. I mean, they age like vinegar. Not good. And that's what I very weird. That's the direction we're going, honestly. Where are we going from here? I mean, you listen to Barry Trotz, right? Who's a guy we say they need to get rid of, right? Your pal Letty. And he, well, he was the second coming of God. Uh, oh, besides Varlamov, Letty was the best player on our team by far. By a country mile. Those are his words. By a country mile. I'm like, okay, to me, Nick Letty. And I thought he did play better. But, I mean, he's just been so bad that any increase makes him look better than he was. Was he the best defenseman? No. Does he have, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm just disappointed when I hear things like that. We need to get younger. You want to improve the talent level? We need to get rid of some of the old guys, bring in some new talent. Well, this is, this is my point of view, Grumpy. I think there are definitely some changes we have to make. We need to add more of a scoring presence 
on our top six. We need to add a sniper as a winger. Uh, optimally, you know, maybe a first line guy. If not, he's got to be, you know, a top two, a top two line type of caliber player. So top six forward. Um, and with the limited amount of cap space we have, we have to do some, we have to be creative. I don't think you're going to be able to move a guy like Andrew Ladd unless you're able to really sweeten the deal. I'm not sure that's really going to go. You're going to have to give up a lot if you want to go ahead and give him up because he's just a toxic asset at this point. It doesn't really make any sense for a team just to, to trade for his value and then to cut him and take a cap hit because it's virtually almost the same exact as he's getting paid at the moment. So not a lot of teams are going to have this empty cap space to play around with. And it's going to, it's going to be really tough to move guys that are cap strapped uh, and are towards the end of their career and they're not producing what they're actually making. That's the biggest issue I have. We're, Lulin Roll is going to have to get creative and we're going to have to do something. I think we're going to have to do something bold. And I know the fan base won't like to hear it, but we're going to need to do something bold to really change up and alter a little bit because I do think Noah Dawson should be playing at least top six guy. He's a top six defenseman at this point. And he, I think he's going to work hard this offseason. I think ideally you'd like him to be your bottom pairing defenseman with Andy Green. Optimally, you can trade Nicoletti. He's going to have value. Nick Letty does have value. He's a top four defenseman, no doubt about it. Not but what I'm saying, not. Well, in the same token, there are so many other guys. There are young players we have in Bridgeport that are ready to make the step, um, even if there were, an, even if there was an injury. I mean, still, you have Thomas Hickey down there in Bridgeport, and I know, again, he's a good number seven. Let's be honest, he's, he's an not. adequate number seven defenseman. And no. you also have Sebastian Ajo. You have guys down there in Bridgeport that can play. No. I, I don't want to see Thomas Hickey ever again. We've been through this. Do we need to go through the Thomas Hickey conundrum? Not again. I like him where he's at, Bridgeport, out of sight, out of mind. I like Thomas Hickey down there. Move him. Get rid of him. He's, is he, he's not counting against your cap when he's in Bridgeport. How about putting some of these guys on long-term injury? That doesn't count against your cap. Well, they, they, have to be in, they have to be in agreement, I think. I'm not sure exactly the nuances of long-term injury, Grumpy. Um, yeah, and – Again, I'm not saying Thomas Hickey is a great option. I'm just saying in case of emergency where there is hell on earth and you're missing two or three defensemen, having a guy like Thomas Hickey, you could say, I can throw him into the lineup. You can have a lot worse than that. I thought Andy Green performed very well, and I wouldn't be opposed to, again, signing him to a one-year extension if you can pair him up with Noah Dobson. I thought Andy Green looked extremely, extremely valuable in the playoffs, despite his age. Okay, but then think about it, right? Andy Green did play well in the playoffs. Absolutely. So he's going to get himself paid this offseason. I'd love to see him back on the Islanders for a two-year deal. But I don't – I mean, what what, do you, what what can you afford to pay him? I mean, that that's the whole thing. Let's say somebody offers him $3 million a year. He's coming off of uh, a $5 million a year contract. Let's say somebody offers him 3 or $4 million. Is that something we can afford to pay? No. Nope. Nope. Paul also said Green is a Lou guy. And most certainly Green is a Lou guy. Um, and I'm again, I'm always opposed to a coach or I'm sorry, a general manager bringing in guys that are quote unquote one of his favorites because, you know, it can breed that type of, oh, you know, this is his guy. So I'm not fitting in the system because he likes X, Y, and Z player better than me. He purposely went out and traded for him, you know. But again, that that is all sports to, to a certain degree. Um but I do think Andy Green performed well, and I wouldn't be opposed to him having an extension. But when we're talking about our forwards, 
we have to do something to change that up. I, I ideally, I would love for a guy like Oliver Waston to receive a chance if we can't sign a top six guy or trade for a top six forward because we need somebody to fill that vacancy. We need somebody to bring a little bit of offensive acumen to the to the team. I mean, right now you've got Matt Barzola who thinks he has to do it all. And when he feels – I feel like when he feels he has to do everything offensively to, number one, entering the zone, to creating plays, to spur the offense – I think that actually makes him perform worse than he can. Yeah, I. Not that it makes him perform worse. He has. He's a facilitator. That's what he does. He sets up other guys to score. And if you don't have snipers on your team or guys who mix with him and you know they blend together, you're wasting him out there. That's what it is. I mean, he's a fantastic talent. And I'm going to tell you what he showed this whole playoff series just how good a player he really is, where really when he's back, it takes two or three guys to stop him. But the whole thing is, what are the other guys doing? Getting a sandwich, a hot dog, and a beer on the side when he's in there in the offensive zone? It's like he's all by himself. I just I don't like our whole offensive structure, honestly. I don't like the fact that we don't get people in front of the net. We're just not tough enough. I, I It's just frustrating. Well, yeah, we're not a team that goes ahead. And even look at the opportunities that Tampa had. They were trying to run almost that set play on their, you know, their double minor that entered the first overtime in game six, where you had Palat, who was consistently trying to stay right on the outside edge there of that goal post and trying to redirect those, you know, uh, or ill-advised shots or those shots that were quote-unquote off target into the net. And, you know, when, when did the Islanders do anything like that on the power play? We don't. Um, and we have a lot of options down there at Bridgeport at forward. I, again, I think Otto Koivlo is ready to take the next step too. It's time to see if these guys down there in Bridgeport have what it takes to actually, actually make an impact in the NHL. He, I know two years ago he was moved to the center position, and then last year he played almost, for the most part, an entire season down there in Bridgeport at center. Again, okay. it's time to see what he has because you're kind of getting to the point where, okay, will he be able to cut it? for the New York Islanders organization as an everyday NHLer, or do we need to move him and we don't think he's going to go ahead and fit our style and role? It's it's time to find out. And, and you have a few players like that. I think Kiefer Bellis is in the same exact situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, no doubt about it. But then I have to ask I have to ask you a question. It's like, where does he fit? Okay, you mentioned Koibla, right? He's a center now, and they're, they're, they're playing him as the center. Where does he really fit on this team? If he's to make the team this year, where does he play? You have four centers, right? I mean, as much as we say, you know, I don't think anyone's going to open Barzell and offer sheet. You have Nelson, you have uh, Pajot, and you have Sezikis. So where's Otto Koibola going to play? I mean, if you're just saying for injuries, I say give the young guys a shot. I'd much rather – I just don't think that with the age of the team and the talent level that we have, we're going any – this was as far as we're going to go. And next year I wouldn't expect us to be any better – if anything, I expect this to be a little bit worse uh, unless we get an infusion of talent. I mean, so where do these guys fit? You have to offload some of the older guys. You have to get rid of them. Two minutes of pessimist sticking also said, given cap issues, Lou may be forced to play some younger players. And I do agree. Um, if you're not able to bring in a top six, a top six winger who is a sniper, they're going to have to try what you have in Bridgeport or see if they can mix something up. I think optimally, if you did have cap space, there are guys who are top six wingers. I mean, even, uh, again, Miku Koivu. Now, I wonder if he's going to retire, Grumpy. Did you see the news that was it he was released 
or they're not going to resign him. They're not going to resign him. Okay, that's what it was. I saw that on actually ESPN when I was at the gym or Sports Center or something like that on the bottom line. It's like news, a flash, a flash news alert or something like that. Nice um, tank top, by the way. Well, thank you, Grumpy. Thanks for I, wore, I make sure to wear a shirt every time we're live streaming, Grumpy old man. Okay. Well, we and, a shirt. the thing is – the issue with trying to integrate some of these younger players in on the fourth line, we have a fourth line that is that contributes to the team. That it's kind of you kind of think to yourself, okay, do you see Casey Sezikis being replaced by a guy like Otto Koivula next year? No, I don't. Do you see a guy like Cal Clutterbuck being replaced with a guy like Oliver Wallstrom on a fourth line next year? I don't. And if you have a guy like Johnston or if even Matt Martin does get extended to a year, a year-long contract there, like a two-way type of deal on league minimum, do you see a guy like Kiefer Bellows beating him out for a spot? There's so many – we have so many of the players that are NHL veterans that occupy those bottom six spots where you would ideally like to go ahead and get your shake for some of the younger players to get their, you know, first cup of coffee up in the NHL. Yeah. Um, some decisions we're going to have to make, right? Right now, we do not have enough money to sign our restricted free agents. We just don't. They're going to command more money than that. And if anyone thinks that Matt Barzal is going to get a lesser deal because he didn't score any goals against the Tampa series, you're mistaken. I'm just telling you right now. Pulak is going to make money. Why? Because he is a bona fide top-pairing defenseman. Devon Taves, I thought he played well in the playoffs also. I mean – and he had mistakes, just like all players have mistakes. And that's why when people try to single out, okay, Josh Bailey did this wrong, or when you tried to single out, oh, Brock Nelson did this wrong because of his poor <laughs> poor breakaway attempt, every single player has mistakes. Anytime you're able to single out a player and have them underneath the magnifying glass when it's one-on-one and they're completely isolated from everybody else, they're either going to excel or they're going to make a mistake. And more often than not, you're probably going to make a mistake than you excel. Nobody's perfect out there on the ice, Grumpy. Um, again, when you have five different guys from each team, it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more to distinguish what players are excelling and who is not. So when you have them under the magnifying glass and you try to point out, oh, right there, Devontae's got burned because he pinched a little bit, or he mishandled that puck, or Letty was a little lazy getting back in the zone. It's easy to look at those under like a, a minute detail when you've got it under the magnifying glass. Okay, but here's the thing. When you're getting paid $6 million a year like Brock Nelson is, you should at least know how to make a deke on a breakaway. That's all I'm saying. You're getting paid $6 million. And I think, he, I think he's a very serviceable two-line center. I do. You mean two-way uh, center? Two-way center, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you have other guys on that line who were absolutely invisible this series. Captain Pass, you know, the king of the two, the second, uh, the second assist. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, he was absolutely invisible in this playoff series, absolutely invisible. But, see, that's a guy who he showed enough in the first two rounds where you can say, mm, okay, maybe there's a market for Josh Bailey. The whole thing is we are going to need to get money to sign these players. I don't think we're going to be able to sign any free agents off the street, or if anything, it's going to be a Derek Broussard type or something like that on a one-year uh, league minimum deal. But this is this is my thing, right? Because we're so close to the cap, we're not going to be able to go out there and even compete for a guy. Let's say ideally some people throw out the name like, oh, maybe Taylor Hall or anything like that. Um, we're not going to be able to compete for a top a top six forward and a winger specifically 
to fit on this team because we're too close to the cap, to be frank. We have to make some sort of alteration. We have to offload some cap in some capacity. There are going to be other teams that are in the same exact situation as us. So the ability to offload some cap is going to be a little bit more difficult than it has been in the past just because it's staying flat here for the next virtually three years. Well, see, that's exactly the problem. And you mentioned Taylor Hall, right? And people say, oh, maybe Patrick Lining. We just don't have the cap space to do that. And, you know, everybody, oh, we'll like and spam like that because that's an awesome idea. We just don't have the cap space to do that, guys. Thinking about it from a realistic point of view, if you're maybe able to offload a guy like Andrew Ladd in in a fantasy land offseason, you get rid of an Andrew Ladd. You get rid of a Leo Komaroff. You get rid of some of these guys that are playing, you know, bottom, you know, bottom six role. Um, a bottom six forward, or they're not even really contributing to the team, and they're taking up a lot of cap. If you're able to get rid of all those, sure, you have the empty cap space. But who in their right mind is going to go ahead and take a contract like that off your hand when the cap is going to be staying flat for the next three years? Okay. And Line A, I'm sorry, and let me correct myself. I do understand Line A has one year left, but people are suggesting that we trade for Patrick Line A. I'd and have because- no problem. I'd have absolutely no problem trading for Patrick Line A. Absolutely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I'm just thinking about what he would cost in return, Grumpy, because he's going to be expensive. Let's be honest and frank with it. He's going to be expensive, and we're not a team that okay. I can point to X, Y, Z prospect that's going to command a lot of value. Okay, but you you know you mentioned Taylor Hall, right? He's 28 years old. How much do you think he's going to get a year? I mean, and he's been a league MVP. How much a year do you think he's going to command? He's bare minimum eight or nine. I'm talking about bare minimum. If the world came crashing down and because of the, the cap staying flat essentially for the next three years, I could see bare minimum eight or nine million. Bare minimum. Yeah, okay. I don't I don't see him making that much. I, I thought he underwhelmed when uh, he was in uh, Arizona. In Arizona. Honestly. I, I think it, that's going to hurt him too much. Then, is what you're, what you're I, I think it's going to drop his value. I mean – so what do you think? Maybe seven or six million, Grumpy. Okay, if you let's say let's say six million, I think he'll get more than six million. You realize we paid six million dollars for six years for Brock Nelson at the same age. Think about that. Well, Brock Who Nelson has performed. I think I think also you're talking about maybe a guy like Jordan Everly, and you paid more for a guy like Andrews Lee. Okay, you paid for for Jordan Everly. You paid five and a half a year. Okay, and he was twenty nine. Right. We for uh, for uh, Anders Lee, it was seven million for seven years at the age twenty nine, and um, then you got then you have Nelson, right? Who's the, who's twenty eight years old? You gave him six years at six million per. I mean, let's say that the number for Taylor Hall is six years, six million. Do you think that the Brock Nelson deal looks good now? Yes. Absolutely not, because Brock Nelson is nowhere near as talented as Taylor Hall. Not even. I'm going to point something out here to you, Grumpy, and I'm sure you don't know this, and a lot of fans don't. If you look at the winning percentages of where Taylor Hall has played, historically, when he's been traded from a team and left, their winning percentage increases that year. The same exact thing happened in Arizona. Had a high winning percentage, Taylor Hall goes, they have a lower winning percentage. I'm not saying it's 100% correlated, but it is. It's statistic. I think it's statistically relevant. Okay, you're delusional. Okay, he played in Edmonton, Jersey, and Arizona. Okay, sorry, that doesn't hold any weight. Okay, if you're, am I saying that he's a one man team? Absolutely not. But I'm saying he, I'd much rather have Taylor Hall and his abilities 
than Brock Nelson at the same dollar amount and the same years. That's all I'm saying. Why don't you? Why don't you? There's no way, that, Grumpy. Hold on. There's no way you're going to try to persuade me into thinking that the contract we have for Brock Nelson is anything but a hundred percent a dream deal for the Islanders. There's no way you're going to try to persuade me because it's not possible. Who's a better player? I mean, should we have you regale us with tales on how Anders Lee is better than Patrick Kane? Do we need to go back to that? Grumpy, I, I honestly, it's it gets tough with you sometimes because it's not at all you mischaracterize statements. Absolutely not. It's like I'm talking to some type of fake a fake idiom right now because it's not true. It's Grumpy, it's and I'm true. telling you, Brock Nelson plays extremely well under this system. He's thrived under Barry Trotz. He's a perfect center under Barry Trotz's system. Just like a Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I think, will thrive under Barry Trotz's system, as he did in the playoffs. Okay. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson, is the quintessential Islander player. I don't care who the coach is. He's a lunch pail guy. Okay. Brock Nelson was an absolute enigma under anybody else, and he has benefited under the Barry Trot system. But that said, who would you rather have on your team for that dollar amount, Taylor Hall or Brock Nelson? I don't think it's even close. Taylor Hall is vastly superior in talent and ability to Brock Nelson. Okay. you're. I think you're looking at it through a myopic view, Grumpy, and – I want to tell you this much. Number one, somebody did mention, and I totally forgot about this. Bruce Kingston also mentioned Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a free agent this offseason. Will probably be most likely cheaper than Taylor Hall. Maybe it's a good suggestion. I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins, obviously, he's got the pedigree, and I think he is, he does have offensive acumen. I would never mind rolling dice on a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, number two, grumpy old man. When you're talking about that between Brock Nelson as well as Taylor Hall, you have to look at it like this. Is Taylor Hall a good fit? for the way the Islanders play, because if Taylor Hall is not going to commit to 110% playing on the defensive side of the puck, he's worthless in this system. If he refuses to put forward the same exact effort as every single person out there on the defensive side of the puck, and I'm not saying he wouldn't, but I'm saying if he does, that's obviously an issue. Most times forwards in a lot of systems, they don't have to commit as much to the defense as they do under the Barry Trot system. And you talked about Brock Nelson not producing under the prior two coaching staffs and only producing under Barry Trotz. You're telling me that you're going to try to go ahead and inaccurately evaluate Barry Tr or Brock Nelson because he didn't perform well under Jack Capuano and Doug Waite. There's a reason why both of those head coaches are no longer head coaches and never found another head coaching job and probably never will find another head coaching job. I okay, they are miserable head coaches. I Barry Trotz is a legitimate head coach. I believe the word I used was enigma, uh, was the word I used uh, from when he played for those other coaches, and he benefited from the trot system, without a doubt. I don't think he's – did he play up to his contract this year? Absolutely. He played above his contract this year. Okay. To me, he's not I, – I don't, I, don't, I, I don't view him the same way you do. Okay? I think he plays well in this system. Great. He you know, plays more than well. He is a quintessential is, number two center in this system. Who's a more talented player? That's my question. If you're talking about offensively, it's Taylor Hall. Sure. What does this team need? Offense. Okay. Who's a Hold on, Grumpy. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, 
you need a guy who's offensively talented, but in the same token, they have to be willing to commit to play defense. And I will tell you one thing. I think anybody who joins the Islanders and gets inoculated in this culture will 110% play defense. I'm sure there are a few cancers in the locker room who won't, but I'm going to tell you, most players that join the system and join this team and the culture and the community of the Islanders, I believe, would play defense. It doesn't matter how much of a prima donna or offensive-minded player they are. I think they would commit to playing defense. Why would anyone who has an offensive talent and is going to have to subjugate their game to come play here come to play here? Why? I mean, Panarin, right? We offered him more money. Why did he go somewhere else? I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to play defense. Maybe he wanted to be uh, a Hart Trophy finalist. Maybe that's what he wanted to be. And maybe he wanted to put up big offensive numbers like he always has. But if he comes here, he's got to subjugate his game. I mean, if you just want to have a team of third and fourth line players, this is what you have. At some point in time, you're going to have to change that and bring in more talent. And if you have to sacrifice some defense so we can maybe win some games when we score it, when we, uh, you know, give up two goals a game where we can't win those games, you know, sometimes at some point in time, we're going to have to do that. And that's why Oliver Wallstrom is not going to play with the big team next year because he's not willing to subjugate his game and be a number three line winger. I mean, at some point in time, we are going to have to add more talent to this team. Just have to put more talent on the ice if you want to win. Two minutes of pessimist sticking says, before making any suggestions about moves, we all need to take a look at cap friendly for situational awareness about our cap situation. Now, Grumpy and I 110% agree that we do not have the cap space to sign any of these guys the way our roster is currently constituted because you've got to sign back Pulak, Pelik, as well as Matt Barzal. Or I'm sorry, Devon Taves, Pulak, and Matt Barzal. Pelic is next offseason. Um, but those are three big guys we have to sign back. And with only about roughly $10 million in cap space, it's going to be tough. You won't be able to sign a top six guy the way the team is currently constituted. We have to move somebody this offseason to free up some cap space. I think addressing a top six forward is an absolute must. They said it was last offseason. We tried very hardly at Panarin. Was we t- It didn't work out for us. Bruce Kingston said his wife wanted to be in the city talking about Panarin. Nothing against the Islanders. His wife just wears the pants. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Maybe that's true, but you want to know something? I'm going to say at the end of the day, if he told her he really wanted to go somewhere else, I mean, you're talking about in the city. Well, guess what? Starting next year, we're going to be playing our games in Queens. I mean, so what is that? You know, 10 miles from Madison Square Garden? I mean, you know, you can live anywhere you want. I mean, we play at Barclays Arena. Okay, that's where we played half our games last year. We won't be playing anymore at Barclays Arena. We'll be playing next year. I'm sure we're going to be playing all the games at the Coliseum. Money speaks. And when you're taking less money to go somewhere else, well, then there's other things in play. That's all I'm going to say. I I just find it hard to believe that anyone, any offensive talent would say, you know what? I want to sign with the Islanders because, you know what? I want to score 40 points a year. And – get knocked out in the first or second round of the playoffs. Okay, well, Grumpy, that's not even accurate. What do you mean? Exactly what I said, Grumpy, old man. Well, guys score plenty more than 40 points a year, and we go further than the first round of the playoffs. Just look at this year, Grumpy. That's a terrible thing. Okay, if we didn't have the coronavirus, we might not even have made the playoffs. That's how it we had a We had an average regular season. There's no disputing that. But the playoff run proves that we are more than an average team. And again, we had a lot of injuries to important pieces of our team organization. Adam Pellick being out 
was a crucial miss, Grumpy. He was. Okay. That'd be like the St. Louis Blues missing Alex Pietrangelo, or it'd be like the Tampa Bay Lightning missing Victor Hedman. Okay. Their Stop. top pair of defense. Stop. Their top pair of defense. Stop. Stop! Please don't say, don't say Adam. And I love Adam Pellick. Don't put him in the same. It's the same thing you did with Anders Lee and Patrick Kane. You cannot put Adam Pellick in the same sentence with Victor Hedman and Alex Pietrangelo. Absolutely not. They are bona fide number one defensemen. Pietrangelo is also a free agent at the end of the year. Adam Pellick doesn't bring anything like what they bring to their teams and doesn't have the ability. And I love Adam Pellick, and he's perfect for this team. But the fact that you're saying that we lost a defensive defenseman is why our team fell apart, no. We were playing like absolute garbage when the coronavirus went looking. You're happened. not looking at the big picture, Grumpy. I am you're looking at the big Before picture. you run me over, you're not looking at the big picture. The way in the system that we play, defensive defensemen are king. They are. Before you continue talking, just hear me out, Grumpy. They are king. Where most defenses, you have to be able to contribute a little bit on the offensive side of the puck. Our team doesn't require that out of defensemen. They just don't. Well, and again, Adam Pellick being signed through 2020, 2021, we're still going to have him locked up, but we do not have a lot of cap space. It's, I guess, you know, that's the moral of this right now. Okay. And here's the thing. If our defense doesn't get involved, we don't score at all because our, our offense is just, a, I mean, a non-entity for the most part. It just is. I mean, and like I said, the whole point was – if it wasn't for the um, for the shutdown, we probably don't make the playoffs. And maybe, okay? and then we're not even talking about this because they wouldn't even have made the playoffs. That, and the only thing we got healthy, other teams got other teams were banged up and got healthy too. Okay, I just think that the system that we had, and we play some. I I mean, I don't think much of Washington. I think much of Reardon. I don't think Philadelphia is that good. Florida is Florida. Uh, Tampa just better than we are. I mean. And I just – I don't see where you can say that, okay, defensive defenseman is king. you got to score goals to win. I think the most accurate way I can depict this, Grumpy, maybe I didn't do a good enough job, but hopefully you'll be able to understand kind of my point at this point. I'm saying that Adam Pellick is as valuable to the New York Islanders as a guy like Victor Hedman is to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure, maybe when you look at it on paper, Grumpy, maybe when you look at it on paper, they're not as talented – as a whole, but in the, in the same token, I think he is as valuable as a guy as Victor Hedman is to the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Victor, here's the thing. If Tam, I'm going to tell you what. If Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup, Victor Hedman is going to win Con Smythe. Okay. Grumpy, pause, 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 pause. Kucherov has already set the record for the Tampa Bay Lightning for most points in the entire playoff, in the play, entire playoff postseason, okay? And he's going to continue to travel along that. He might have – he might have 40 points before all said and done in the playoffs in the postseason. Okay, Grumpy? And for okay. you to say that Victor Hedman. It's not about points. It's not about points. And you realize Victor Hedman is third all time, all time in the history of the game for goal scoring defenseman in the playoffs. Victor Hedman. Terrific. And I think he's absolutely, he can play. What's he play? How many minutes did he play in those overtime games? 40 minutes a game? He's fantastic. He's spectacular. I mean, he was the best pick in that draft, right? Hindsight being 2020, well, you'd have to say he's a better player than John Tavares, right? I, I would say so. I would agree. Again, I think I think big defensemen who can skate and have offensive talent are unbelievably valuable. Yeah, well, there you go. Do we have anyone like that? No. 
Sure. Right. Block is well, I like that. No, Hold no. On. Grumpy, stop. Are you asking us if we have a guy who is heralded as a top five defenseman in the NHL on our roster? No, there's only four other guys that are top five defensemen. Wake up, Grumpy. Yeah, okay. I'd say Victor Hedman is like top two. And maybe the best overall defenseman in the NHL. We don't have anyone like him. Certainly no one who has the freedom, the freedom to do do uh, things offensively because that's just not what we do. We're too busy laying back, playing defense. It's why we. It's why all of our games are two to one, one nothing. There's a reason we don't promote offense. And let's be honest, we were dominated by Tampa. Even the games we won, we were dominated by Tampa. Absolutely dominated. When in that a double overtime game, what did we have? Twenty eight shots in like almost five periods of play. I mean, how do you expect to win games? I, I don't know. Like I said, that's why I'm not even upset that we lost to Tampa because they were so obviously a better team than us. The only time it ever drives me crazy is when I look at our team and say, man, we're better than them and we lost. I mean, we weren't better than Tampa. And we're not going to be better than Tampa the way our team is currently constituted. Which way do we go? I don't know. There are a lot of moves this team has to make. Are we willing to make the big decision? Or are we willing just to kick the can down the road another year? And this is something you and I both agree on, Grumpy Old Man. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are a better team than the New York Islanders. I don't know too many people out there who would argue against that. Um, And I think in order – obviously, that's the end goal is to win the Stanley Cup, not to make deep playoff runs, not to make the playoffs, not to, you know, be – you know, not to win the President's Trophy and get knocked out in the first round. It's to win the Stanley Cup. I don't care if you squeak in as a number eight seed. If you win the Stanley Cup, that's all that matters. Um, and when you look at that, there are certain things we have to do. And I, I wouldn't mind – and, again, you and I have talked about this off air. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on air, Grumpy. But I wouldn't mind taking a temporary, quote-unquote, step back in order to take a step forward if we have to. I'm fine with it. I And I don't think this organization ever would. I think with the way our team is constituted, they're in win-now mode. And I understand that. But in the same token, I just don't want to see guys – like Oliver Wallstrom continuing to rot away in Bridgeport and a guy like Kiefer Bellows not receive his chance because of the way our team is constituted and a guy like Otto Koivula spending a whole nother year in Bridgeport. Those are things I don't want to see. I want to see some of these younger guys who are talented slowly get integrated in, right? They played a handful of games in the NHL last season. It's time to find out, right? If you're entering your 24, you're 25 years old as a forward and you haven't made it in the NHL, in all likelihood, that's it. You're not going to. Let's be frank with it. Well, you mean like they did with Devon Taves, Trotz's first year there when he was the best defenseman in the preseason without a doubt, and they sent him down to the minors to keep Thomas Hickey up? Do you mean like that? Because that's their, that's just the way they operate. They don't want to play the young players. They want to go with the sure thing. Who's the veterans? I mean, look who he goes out, right? He gives up a second-round pick for Andy Green. I like Andy Green, but at 37 years old, right? How much does Andy Green have in the tank? And I'm willing to resign him, but it's like, would you not even consider going after someone a little bit younger who you could possibly build around? I don't think so. I mean, and that's the problem. I mean, I don't think there's any chance Oliver Wallstrom is up next year. And I'm going to tell you something else. If they keep Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk, you want to know who else isn't going to make the big team next year? No adoption. They're going to leave him down in the minors, and they're going to say, well, we want him to get consistent playing time 
That's what you're going to hear from this organization because that's what they do. They don't want – we would rather have the guys be overripe on the vine. Well, guess what? By the time these guys come up, you've already lost a couple of years of them actually playing on a manageable deal. So then when their contract comes up, you have to pay them big bucks for limited production since you haven't seen a whole lot of them so far. I just – like I said, just watching the way that this regime has done this the last two years frustrates the life out of me because we need to get younger. It's We're the oldest team in the league. And we're not getting any younger. We're not going to sign any free agents, and I don't blame us. We need to, you know, cull some of the old garbage off of this off of the roster. That's what we need to do, and backfill with the young players. How much of our young core do you think there really is on this team? Six, seven, eight guys. Everybody else is over the hill, past their peak. Everyone else. Really? I, would, I wouldn't say they're past their peak. I might say some guys are in their peak. There are definitely some players on our team that are past their peak. There's no doubt about it, Grumpy. Um, regarding the age, right? I think I think Barry Trotz doesn't like to play younger players. There's no doubt about that. I think, look, I, think, I think if you look at it and you look at the way they've kind of conducted themselves over the last few years, I think they want to play more veteran, older players. Despite them – and I think the reason being is number one, they're going to be technically sound. They're not going to make as many, you know, young men mistakes. And I think that's what's appealing to them, despite the fact that okay, you know, Oliver or uh, Noah Dobson is a faster skater than a guy like Johnny Boychuk. He throws the ball. I was shocked that Noah Dobson was actually throwing the body a little bit more than he had been in the past in the playoffs. And I'm, this is a very very small sample size, and I understand it was only one game in limited minutes, but he was throwing the body. He was able to carry the puck, and it made me extremely gleeful looking at what he was able to do out there on the ice. Three strides, Noah Dobson's out of the zone. And every single pass he makes is tape to tape. Can Johnny Boychuk do that? No. Paul says, Grumpy old man is way past his peak. Oh, Grumpy, that made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I'm right in my prime. Right in my prime. You know, I know who's past his peak? The old man in the front office, Lou Lamarillo, and his son. <laughs> The little toady that I got down in Bridgeport. They're oh, both past that week. Oh, grumpy. Let's see if we can bring back Scott Niedemeyer and Scott Stevens. Put them back on the blue line. Get rid of uh, – because they're cheaper than signing Pulak and Pelic and Taves. Dump those guys. They're too young. Let's break well, something. Pelic's not, not a free agent until next year. So you only need to worry about Ski, Stevens and Niedemeyer to replace Pulak and Taves, Grumpy. Uh, Let's have Sergey Breland replace Mark, uh, Matt Barzell. Let's have Sergey Breland come back. <laughs> Valerie Zellapukin. Let's have those guys come back. They played for the Devils back in the 90s. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness, Grumpy old man. Ah, rare form as always. Um, I think, though, if you look at this season as a whole, it was a pretty much for the most part a mediocre regular season, but a memorable playoff run. And I think this is I think it's I think it's breathed new life into the the um, the fan base a little bit. I know our fan base is very strong, even through the, t the tough time periods. We are a very, very strong fan base. And that's something I love about the Islanders and the Islanders community. But in the same token, I think this has helped energize and make some of the younger fans excited. And this is really the first time I could say it was fun being a New York Islander fan when the, the Stanley Cup playoffs were on. It was fun. Um, and then last year we won in the first round. But look, I'm getting goosebumps talking about a grumpy old man. It was fun being a New York Islander fan this Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay.
Um, like I said, you don't know success, so that's why you would think that this was great and this was great this year. I said, it's a, step in, I said it's a step in the right direction, Grumpy. Don't mischaracterize it. Okay. You said you got goosebumps talking about this playoff series. I did. I, I did. only get goosebumps when I think about Bobby Nystrom scoring that goal against Philadelphia. Guess what we did there? We won our fair Stanley Cup. Not we, not that we advanced to the uh, East Conference Finals. That's not enough to give me goosebumps. Sorry, sorry. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, it did bring it the success the team had this year in the playoffs. It 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 was it was very enjoyable. And again, it was fun to be an Islander fan this year in the playoffs, Grumpy. And I don't think you can dispute that. Okay, I just want to speak to. He said one thing that you're not going to see a lot of bandwagon Islander fans because let's be honest. We suck the life out of games. It's not like we're an exciting team to watch or, hey, the Islanders are on. Let's, you know, if you're just channel surfing and you have a chance to watch, uh, you know, I don't know, paint dry or the New York Islanders play defense, what are you going to pick, right? I'm just saying. We're not one of the more exciting teams in the NHL. And I love the Islanders, but I don't think anyone can say, boy, they're must-watch, you know, TV. You know, you're going to see something spectacular every night from the New York Islanders. That's just not the case. I mean, it. we need to – you want to build – and the fans are loyal, without a doubt. No bandwagoners, like I said. And that's exactly what two minutes of pessimist sticking and everybody in the comments are saying. This fan base is loyal. There is no such thing as a bandwagon Islander fan. There is Absolutely. No. Absolutely 100% correct. And I don't even know – I don't think there's anything we can do to build this fan base right now. Because uh, we, we just don't have – yeah. I don't care. I, and again, like our fan base, it continues to grow. It's a small, it's a cult-like group. That's right. Like Jim Jones in Jonestown. That's correct. That's what we're like. We are. I'm like. We are like Jim Jones, uh, just drinking the Kool-Aid, the Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz Kool-Aid. But I'm resisting. I'm like the guy, Senator Ryan, who got shot down at the airport. I guess. I was about to say, who are you in this in this depiction, Grumpy? In this metaphor, who I'm are the you? person who tried to help the masses, and I was killed for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Senator Ryan, that's who I am. Or Congressman Ryan. Oh, God, Grumpy. Gun down, Jonestown. Diana. <sighs> oh, God. I, that's before your time, TJ. You should look up Jim Jones. Drink the Kool-Aid. That's where it came from. You ever hear the thing, drink the Kool-Aid? That's where it came from. I, I do know. I do know. What, know. I know what you're talking about, Grumpy. I've seen some documentaries on Jonestown. I wasn't alive to witness it or wasn't alive during that time period, sure. But, you know, history and, and historical pieces have allowed me to kind of get that that viewpoint of what it was like. I remember watching it on the Today Show. Hold on. Hold on. Paul says, Paul says Grumpy wants Cappy and Garth Snowback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Execute them in, to hang them in effigy. No problem. Not, not even effigy. Just hang them. They're both useless. Let's be honest. Doug Waite, useless. Milbury, useless. I mean, you know, we got now we got the armadillo and the old man in the front office. I mean, where are we going with them? Actually, I'm uh, I'm not saying I'm glad we lost, but I was I was thinking, I said, could you imagine if we won with all these idiotic moves that Trotz has been making by playing these fossils back on defense? And uh, imagine if we would have won the cup. I'm going to say he made a pack with the devil because I can't believe we won. But we didn't. I do want to talk about predictions for uh, for this series. And I hate to say it, everyone, 
TJ was spot on with his prediction again. I thought Tampa was going to. I thought Tampa was going to take it in six. I didn't know exactly how it was going to go down. I thought they're going to have it in six. Um, as much as my heart wanted to say the Islanders, I just thought the talent that the Lightning had was a little bit much. I, I I agree. I mean, I know I picked the Islanders, but you know, deep down, I just knew Tampa was. And as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I've always spoken very highly about Tampa. I think. They are us in 1979. I like Grumpy that I can see all of the comments as they roll in. And Grumpy, uh, the comments are coming a little bit at you. You're a flamboyant character, I'm sure, as you know, and you don't care. You don't care what anybody says I about absolutely you. Absolutely, do not care. I, I don't care. I, just, I like people saying the fossils calling the Islanders fossils, fossils. So I'll just I laugh. I laugh. I get a good chuckle out of everything that comes in. I'm not as old as Lou Lamarillo. He's what, like 78? I'm not that old. And I got way more hair than, well, I have more hair than he has. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. And two minutes of pessimistic, he said, I'm 43. I'm like the mediator between you guys. Yeah, my gosh. Um, it's uh, Grumpy's a special character, that is for sure. Um, but I, I, hate I think him. about this series. I have my thoughts, and I thought the way we should have played Tampa um, – I think Dallas will play Tampa, and I'm predicting Dallas to win this year. I think you're wrong. There's no way in hell Dallas wins. And let me tell you why, Grumpy. I think when you look at it, Vasilevsky stands on his head. I think he is an elite goalie, and I think when you talk about that type of system that we run, you have to have a goalie who could steal games. Varlamov almost stole game six for us, despite giving up that weak first goal off the rebound. Yeah. Uh, but he – hold on. Hold on, Grumpy. He may not stand any safe. So, you know, don't pile on. He had an outstanding game. As a whole, you know what I mean? You're going to have instances where you mess up. That is life. That is how professional sports go. If you don't think that's the case, you haven't watched enough of them. But I also will say this. I don't think the Dallas Stars have the talent to match the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure, they play the same style as us, and the Tampa Bay Lightning might be a little bit more worn down because the series was kind of tough against us. In the same token, I think Vasilevsky stands on his head. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning walk out with the Stanley Cup in five games. Five, Grumpy Cat, five. And that is a bold prediction. Very rarely am I that bold. I think Tampa Bay walks out with in five games. Well, here's where Nostradamus uh, falls on his face because I think that Dallas does play a system like they do, like we do, but are infinitely more talented than we are. And their goalie is just as good as Varlamov. Hold, hold on. I let you prattle on and cut me off. Shut your pie hole and let me finish, okay? Here's the thing. what The one thing that teams that are superior, particularly on the defensive end, what do you have to do to their defensemen? You run those defensemen. Every single time they go in to pick up a punt, a puck back against the boards, you hammer them. Let me tell you something. You saw Sergachev at the end. A few of our guys who weren't afraid to throw the body, uh, that Sergachev, man, he's getting hit. Headman every time. Hit him along as well. You wear those guys out. That's a common way to eliminate. That's how Boston lost last year. You had St. Louis with that relentless forecheck running their defenseman the whole series, and they wore him out because Boston was a more talented team than St. Louis last year, but the physicality wore them out. And that's what Dallas is going to do against Tampa. There you go. Grumpy, with the backup goalie and Ben Bishop not being healthy, I'm not sure the Dallas Stars are going to win. You need a goalie who could steal games in that system. And without Ben Bishop, I don't think the Dallas Stars are as 
competitive as they would be with him. Maybe Ben Bishop will be healthy by this year's. I have no idea. Everything along the injury front is pretty much hush-hush, and that's how most teams are keeping it. Um, but if he's not able to return, I think it's tough sledding for the Dallas Stars. I think they have. I think the Dallas Stars are less defensive oriented than the Islanders are as a whole. I think their goaltending obviously is taking a hit with missing Ben Bishop. I think sure they have more offensive acumen and talent than we do. I do agree with that. But in the same token, I think the defense is lacking. The goaltending might be an issue. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. They've been there. This is common ground for them. They consistently make very, very long playoff runs. Again, four out of the last six years, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Dallas Stars, this is relatively new territory for them. And again, I think it helps them a little bit that there are no fans in the stands. I do think that actually helps the Dallas Stars because when I feel like you you have the fans cheering on and on and the momentum and the sway and the energy that you feel and you feed off of based off the crowd. When that starts to play in, I think it can kind of set in that, holy crap, I'm in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is what I've been working for my entire life, and this is my opportunity. Some people never get a chance in this opportunity, and this might be my one chance ever to win the Stanley Cup Finals. So I think it would weigh a little bit more in on the Dallas Stars. I think it's helpful for them that there's no crowd. Yeah, okay. So you're picking Tampa. Right. Yes. Okay. So that big long, you didn't give us no detail. You just said because this, that, and the other thing. You like to talk. I understand. You like to hear your voice talk. Typical millennial. I mean, you don't have any facts to back up. You don't have any thoughts of your own. Just oh, let me tell you something. Dallas is going to out physical Tampa. They're not going to let their goalie get roughed up in front of the net with no fight back. Absolutely not. I mean, you saw if we came near Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay, and even with the acquisitions that they have, are not a physical team. They were in our face. And what did we do? Uh, we turtled up. Well, we're not going to get involved. They let the guys come in on, on uh, Varlamov and hit him with the sticks. And uh, What are we doing? Nothing. Just jump in there. We need a little bit more sandpaper to our game. That's what I'm going to say. That said, Dallas has that sandpaper without a doubt. Jamie Benn. Jamie Benn's going to have a big series. You watch. Jamie Ben for MVP. Paul wants to know, does Grumpy – and at Grumpy, I want to let you know something. I have been seeing a lot of comments, and I'm only trying to pick the funny ones out, that I think carry over to the podcast so where people can kind of view this. They, And, again, some people that are watching this live stream are meeting you and your character for the very first time. Some people, for you know, this might be the third or the fourth time they've only started watching since we've started the live streams. But, Grumpy – we do have one, and this I feel like for the normal listeners on the podcast, does Grumpy still use a rotary phone? And now this is actually funny you mention it. Grumpy still has a landline, and we are very fortunate that it has it wrong. I want to say it almost is about a 60% chance that his home phone will ring in some capacity during a podcast. And there's not much you can do about it. You just kind of just work around it because Grumpy, he has a home phone. So maybe not a land, maybe not a <laughs> – Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, I do not have a rotary phone any longer. I do have a push-button phone uh, on my my landline. I do. And I also have, you know, like the one thing where you have one phone, which operates like a bunch of other ones. I do have that. And I have a cell phone, too. So there you go. I am ready for anything that comes my way. <laughs> too much like, business thinking. Phone, but they were cool. Yeah, it was cool. 
That's well, right. two minutes of pessimisticking. A longtime listener, a good friend of the podcast, says my wife loves the grumpy old man. She doesn't know, the, she doesn't know, know the difference between the Stanley Cup and a teacup, but she loves the grumpy old man. That's what I am. I'm popular with women everywhere. What can I tell you? Oh goodness, grumpy! I'm sure you are. What's her name? I love her too. <laughs> Watch it, pessimistic. I'm two minutes, two minutes of pessimisticking. Oh, okay. I love the name. That's a good name. That sounds like a Twitter name. Is that a Twitter name? Yes, it is, Grumpy. And it's definitely not his first name. I can promise you that much. Um, but it, again, Grumpy, I know we're kind of coming around the hour mark. And we're already past an hour mark. Thank you. We're, we're past. I'm sorry. Let me reiterate that. We are past the one hour mark, Grumpy old man. And this, I think it's nice to look back on what this playoff run was. It was a memorable one for the Islanders. It, I think we could see more of this. I think we could see more of deep playoff runs in the future for the Islanders, but there are certain steps we have to take. And I think there's certain, there's certain, uh, there's certain aspects that are gained that we have to address if we want to continue to take the next step and bringing a top six forward is, and I think next podcast we'll kind of talk a little bit more as the dust continues to settle about what the Islanders plans are, because this is going to be a shortened off season. Yeah. So, uh, and you, you got the draft that's going to be really rapid fire right after the end. We of the don't game. need to worry about the draft. We don't need to worry about the draft. We're not picking until like Saturday afternoon at five o'clock. We don't need to worry about it. I mean, we're picking what in the third round? Well, <laughs> where are we going there? We're not picking up. Actually, you can it. you can find very valuable players on our yeah. on our team specifically even in those later rounds. So I have no issue with it. It's really tough when you're trying to evaluate somebody like that in the later rounds. Um, but we, we're going to have picks, maybe not in the first two, but we're going to have picks later on. We got to make them count. And I wouldn't be shocked. And the reason I'm saying this, if we were to move a guy like a Letty, I feel like we would try to acquire some type of draft capital for him. Not sure if we would move Letty. I have no earthly idea what we're going to do. I feel like this next week and the next two weeks are going to be important. Uh, the draft is always fast approaching after the, the Stanley cup finals, but this year in the off season, it's going to be a very shortened off season. So general managers are, are working on a, you know, I mean a flat cap and a smaller time period. So it's going to be very, very high. It's going to be intense. Yeah. Hopefully we can go with the trash for cash program. Uh, we get rid of some of our garbage to get some draft picks. I mean, and I think we're going to have to make some tough decisions. We can talk about it next week on some players who are still viable in our organization that, you know, maybe we need to move on from them just so we can free up some cash and maybe give some of the young guys a shot. I don't think it's something we'll do, um, but I think it's something that we're going to have to do. I mean, think about what Lamarillo, I mean, he ran in the Sally cap area, he ran Jersey into the ground because he wasn't w- willing to make those moves. And then, you know, he goes to uh, Toronto and they had no talent and he had to go with the young guys but they could never get over the hump and well, in his defense Toronto still hasn't gotten over the hump and Toronto I don't think is getting over the hump anytime soon because of the approach that they take where they want only offense no defense I mean think about it wow what I'm saying is Mike Badcock wasn't even able to turn that organization that team around what I'm saying well now they got the boy GM there right but that's okay um but what I'm saying is I would much rather have a team that has more talent per se than a team that is all built on aging veterans and defense, because you can always trade high end talent to pick up those parts where you're not going to be able to trade the parts that we have to get higher end talent. 
that's, you know, you just, it's just not going to work. And that's, that was the one benefit. He didn't do it, but it's something he could have done in Toronto, but he did not. It's going to, it's going to be an off season where he's going to make, so he's going to have to, we're going to have to free up some cap space. He's going to have to make some moves. I don't see there's any situation where the Islanders come back next year with a team that is exactly the way it's constituted today, with the exception of uh, Ia Sorokin for Thomas Christ. I don't see there's any way we go into camp next year where the team looks exactly the same, except you switch Sorokin for Christ. I just can't see that being a possibility. Well, right now we don't have the money to sign our three restricted free agents. I don't think we're going to do anything. I think if we pick up anyone in the offseason, we'll talk about this next week, of course. But uh, if – we pick up any free agents. It's going to be the Derek Broussard types, guys who are a million, million and a half a year, and maybe we just take a shot that they regain, uh, you know, what they've had in the past. I think I think that's the only thing we can do at this point, unless we also and like I said, we'll talk about it next week. Possible scenarios on guys we can move from on from who are to have a high value that we could perhaps get something for to advance a team in the future, and, and maybe even. Again, we do have the rights for Thomas Grice. Who's to say, and Brush also brought this up, who's to say maybe the negotiation rights for a guy like Thomas Grice won't go ahead and get you some sort of draft cap or maybe a seventh-round pick, something like that. He's going to be a guy who who probably will have a, maybe a payday coming his way because he did do a great job in the regular season two, two years ago. And even last year, he, this year, he had a pretty good year. So who's, who's to say a guy like him who won't be a highly vied after goalie? Well, but he's a backup, and he is, but he, and he is a superb backup. I think I, he's a, he's a backup in the league where you think to yourself, all right, if your goalie goes down, I feel very confident that I have Thomas Grice to rely upon. Where a lot of teams can't say that. And he's thirty three years old. I don't think he's worth anything on the open market. Certainly not an early trade and sign. I I don't see that from him. So I mean. I've seen a lot of crazier things, so I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe three years happen. I'm not banking on it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Okay, usually it's defensemen or it's high-end forwards. It's not 33-year-old backup goaltenders. They don't. They don't get any compensation. I mean, he's not even going to be signed on the first day of free agency. He's not. So that's not even a concern. And everyone knows we're not bringing him back. So why would you give up anything to get his rights? Yeah, it could be true. Um, I want to see Sorokin. I want to see him. That's number one. Absolutely. I think I it goalie, he can. I want to see if he can kick a rebound 15 foot into the slot to give up a goal or get beat on the short side from, you know, the same side of the net. I don't know. I Whatever. Barlamov, for as good as he played at stretches, man, oh, man, I know the MO on him. Short side, short side, shoot short side, and just stand there for rebounds because they're coming. <laughs> Grumpy. Oh, grumpy old man. Yeah. Well, I know definitely next podcast we're going to talk a little bit more about, and that's going to be a week. We'll probably just do them on Saturdays, Grumpy. We just need to iron out a time that works well to live stream because as much as you did get a little bit flamed in the comment section today, I, I enjoy being able to communicate. <laughs> Grumpy's giving that snarl. So I you enjoy- tell me everybody because I burn everyone to the ground. I don't no, grumpy old man, you wouldn't. You're too nice and cuddly to do something like that. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody give Grumpy some oxygen, please. No, Grumpy. Uh, the comments, the comments have been gold. I've been keeping most of them. Uh, I've been just, I just been communicating. I just been communicating the funny ones. Um, but I do enjoy thoroughly being able to speak and and 
do it live there and listeners of the podcast get to interact there. I do enjoy that thoroughly grumpy. Um, but is there anything else you kind of want to say before we wrap things up? Yeah, we always do all of our podcasts live. And the one thing that doing this live means when you screw up at the beginning, it means we can't, oh, let's reset and start over because I said a word wrong. No, now everyone's going to know. And the scoreboard's coming out next time. Bring out the scoreboard, the TJ screw up scoreboard. And we'll just. Sometimes I have to have two pens to make sure that I can mark down all the mess up. I was about to say, you're going to run out of ink in one of them, right, Grumpy? Everyone. <laughs> I honestly, and Paul brought this up, he should be wearing that tinfoil on his head. I really thought, Grumpy, he started off the podcast with tinfoil like this against his neck and his chest. And I was wondering, I'm like, what type of prop is he going to be utilizing for this? I thought maybe he was going to mid mid live stream make it into some sort of apparatus to put on his head. I really did, Grumpy. I didn't know why you were bringing that tin foil. Um, I thought you just maybe would cover on the foil, it. coach. Wrap on the foil, coach. Put on the foil, coach. I'm putting on the foil, coach. Uh, you know what? I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Slapshot again tonight. I have to. You brought it up, uh, and that's one of those the, one of those movies, at least for me, that's kind of guilty pleasure. I do like enjoy, I do, I enjoy it. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, Grumpy. Now this is off topic, not Islanders. I went today. We were eating lunch with my fiance, and we were trying to find a burger shop. Did she and get any of the food? Was that? Did she get any of the food? Yes, I just made sure to order a lot, Grumpy. And when I go to a burger shop, I spend a lot, and it's kind of it's embarrassing how much I spend for a hamburger and hot dog. Um, I spend a lot, Grumpy. I'm talking about for two people, and I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, and she's not. She's skinny as a rail, you know, 150, 160, and we're spending $34. Okay. Okay. $34 at a hamburger hold on. shop. Hold on, hold on. I cannot believe that you went and told your fiance's weight on this. She's podcast. skinny. She's skinny as a rail. She's six foot two and skinny. I don't know. I don't know how heavy she is. She's skinny. Why don't you say, eh, you know, she's 190, 200. I mean, no she's woman wants you – listen to me. No woman wants you advertising their weight on the internet. I'm just <laughs> telling you. that's where, Where's my score sheet? That's like 10 blunders. Maybe it's your, she won't be your fiancé anymore after hearing that podcast. <laughs> my gosh. What is ah, – 150, 160, I don't know, you know, my – Gosh. She's skinny. Uh, that's that's my point. She's skinny. I'm big, so it's funny. But we spent thirty four dollars at ordering damn hamburgers, and I was, I had the originally I stumbled upon this place because I had I had to piss. I had I had to find a place to use the bathroom. She was getting her car washed. We just finished up picking up groceries, and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom real quick. So I'm like wandering about. And I find this place, the only place that will let me in to go use the restroom, and I looked at this the um, the menu, and I was like, wow. The food looks really savory. I hadn't eaten yet today. The bacon looked thick. The burgers looked juicy. The French fries looked amazing. The, the milkshakes looked fantastic. And I thought to myself, I need to bring home a little um, a little menu here because we're going there. So as soon as we got done, we dropped off the groceries at home. We went back out and we went to go to this place called Wayback Burgers. Number one, I thought of it for a few reasons, Grumpy, because it was – it's themed as in you're going back to the old days, Grumpy. So immediately I thought of you. I know it's a cheap one, but it still works. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you this. We ate them, and they were just so bland, and it was terrible. And I was like, man, I paid $34 for this called Wayback Burgers. It was definitely not something I'll ever go to again. Okay, so hold on. The picture that you saw all this juicy food didn't match up to what you actually ate. Have I, you ever – no, no, no. Have you ever watched a commercial before for 
Burger King or McDonald's or anywhere, the food looks great. I see it. And I'm like, oh, I want to get those. And you actually get it. It's like, this is garbage. So this is the first time you've run into this? I mean, No, 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 no. I understand. I understand there's most times there's deceptive advertising, right? You want to make sure you're you're throwing out the best type of picture there for your food. I do understand that. Um, I just wasn't expecting it to be on the level of like the fast food type of, oh, we, we make a Wendy's burger look like this or a Burger King burger look like this when really it comes, you know, obviously nowhere near what the picture actually depicts. Most times it was a sit down restaurant. There's no fast food line or anything like that. And most times if that's the case, I'm expecting the, the food to be a little bit higher quality. Um, it wasn't. Let me put it like that. They had, you know how Burger King has like the really, really thin cut bacon where it's almost just heated up because it's all pre-cooked. And I'm like, they're advertising this nice, thick applewood, honey roasted, uh, honey roasted, um, or maybe that's, I think that's what I'm thinking of, applewood roasted bacon or something like that. Nice, thick pieces. And I'm like, it's like the little tiny Burger King reheated bacon. I'm like, yeah, I, it was, it was disappointing, Grumpy. And I thought of you because it was the way back burger. Okay. You want to know something? You said right at the beginning what your problem was. You didn't think. You said it right up front. And I'm not surprising because I don't think you think most of the time. Certainly you don't think when you're on this podcast, when you make statements that Anders Lee is better than Patrick Kane and uh, and everything else that you say, just piles one on top of it. What you weren't thinking when you mentioned your fiance's weight on the podcast either. I mean, you couldn't have possibly. I mean, how do you stop that train wreck? Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, I remember the train work where you got everyone got angry with me about the Kraken. The Kraken. Everyone goes crazy because I was picking on the girl from the Kraken. But let me tell you something. That's worse. I don't know the Kraken girl. You know your fiance. Uh, two minutes of pessimist sticking says old people food is bland, dated, and disappointing. Uh, I will agree. And it looked like, again, like I've never been to this burger joint before. I, you know, I'm a fan of like a steak and shake or, uh, any type of uh, any type of burger where it's like you know fresh beef anything like that and this is exactly how that looked it wasn't like it was frozen patties they were throwing on the grill you know it was fresh ground beef and I was like oh wow this is going to be pretty good you know they're mashing it with that big uh, cylindrical hammer they have flattening out the ground beef everything like that I thought it was going to be a good burger I was just gravely disappointed have and I thought of you for the way back way back burger grumpy have you ever worked in a fast food restaurant. I haven't worked in a fast food, but I've worked in food preparation. They were used to work at a movie theater back in the day. Okay. So the answer is no. So there you go. <laughs> Just continue watching your commercials and looking at your pictures and buying your food that way. There you go. Good job. Oh, grumpy old man. Well, thank okay, you. you Hold on. I'm also going to watch The Godfather this weekend because, you know, everyone has to watch The Godfather at least once every six months uh, because I live my life like that. What character would you say you're on The Godfather, Grumpy? Are you kidding me? Fredo, right? <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Look at the chair I'm sitting in. <laughs> you Vito Corleone over there. Don Vito Corleone. That's right. <laughs> Are you post or, post or pre-stroke Vito Corleone? Oh, Grumpy. All, he didn't have a stroke. First Heart attack, time. whatever he had. He was shot. He was shot. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, he died. He, he died. Shot. He That's right. I haven't watched The Godfather in a while. I was trying to be Hold on. I, I want the, what are the comments saying now when you make a blunder like that? They're I not saying anything you yet. Made, you imbecile. You know, I wish I was seeing the comments because I'm going to tell you. I, Grumpy, you wouldn't like to see the comments, Grumpy, because they're all – they're definitely I don't coming have at people you. With me. I, but here's the thing. One thing, I'm not as stupid 
At least I know that the Godfather was shot. He didn't have a stroke. No, he was Doctor shot. Died. He died of the stroke. Is that correct? He died of a heart attack. A heart attack. Whatever it is. I can oh. never know the difference. I'm not, again, I'm not, as much as she is as a doctor, I don't have that type of gift where I know a lot about the medical field. Or okay, any- it's a movie. It was a movie. It was a movie. I'm talking stroke, heart attack. And he's still alive. I mean, bad news for me and even worse. No, it's bad news for me and even worse news for you if you don't get this job done. That's what Salazzo called Tom Hagen when he let him go. And then he dies of a heart attack at the end of the movie when he's watching his grandson. Oh, my gosh. Oh, sad. They're going to take away your man card. Well, Paul says Grumpy knows movies better than he does hockey. Let me tell you something. I know everything about movies. Absolutely. You can ask me anything about a movie and I know it. Anything. Anything. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't say also the same about hockey, but uh, I digress. Um, anyway, well, Grumpy. You already know I'm an uh, analyst and expert. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah, Grumpy. This is the – I forgot to give you your little tagline at the beginning. Not, you, had, well, you, had, you had tin foil and you had props and it threw me off. But yeah, grumpy old man, our, our NHL analyst and expert. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Well, again, it's it's been a fun hour and 30 minutes, um, Grumpy. Is there anything else you kind of want to say before we wrap things up today? Yeah, one other thing. I've also watched the movie. has been on cable recently, The Cutting Edge, which uh, is a figure skating movie. But uh, D.B. Sweeney plays um, a character who uh, was a hockey player and it loses the vision in his eye or something where he can't play hockey anymore. He becomes a figure skater. Guilty pleasure movie for me. Good little rom-com uh, for some guys who want to get close to their honeys, perhaps. Watch that movie, and maybe it'll stir up a little emotion. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Grumpy. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure. And thank you so much again to the Hockey Podcast Network. They've set us up with this uh, very, very fancy way where we can actually uh, live stream out our podcast, and I thoroughly do enjoy that. Um, number one, allows us to connect there with the listeners. Um, and, again, even though Grumpy's takes aren't always the best, and sure as mine aren't always the best, it allows us at least to chuckle around and to communicate with the people who consistently listen to the podcast. So thank you so much, Grumpy, and thank you so much, guys, who participated here in the live stream as well as who listen to the podcast. It means the world to us that you listen to myself and Grumpy, just two avid Islander fans and two hockey fans in general, sports fanatics talk about a team and a sport we love. But thank you, Grumpy old man. Thank you.